0: Well, good morning, Third Service. How's everybody doing? Let's all wave to the live streamers and the people upstairs. Great to have you with us. So how'd you like your little winter weather this week? Yeah. <laughs> I'm never talking about this weenie weather again. This is crazy. At yeah, Tuesday, I had a breakfast meeting, and I when I turn right out of my driveway, there's a, a hill. It's not really steep, but it's a... a pretty good size hill and I have super bald tires on my truck and I get out and I'm like oh man oh man But I made it so it was good but yeah it was bad roads well guys as most of you know actually right now if you need a Bible raise your hand if you need a pen hold up a couple fingers ushers will get that to you but as most of you know we started a brand new series last week where we are going through the book of Colossians. Colossians well done And last week, we covered the introduction and basically all the background information that we needed to know to get into it. And then we covered the first two verses, uh, which was the common greeting that Paul would give uh, in all of his epistles. Simple greeting, yet a very powerful greeting. Now, as I mentioned last week, I really want for all of you to own your own Bible, okay? I know we have iPhones and Android phones and iPads and tablets and all that stuff where we can use different apps and we can read it with you version and Bible Gateway and all those sort of things, um, but there is something very valuable to having your own Bible in your hand, to be able to take notes on the margins, on the side, and write down what you're learning and how the passage is impacting you. Um, your own Bible, when you mark it up and you write your notes, over the years, that Bible is gonna become an old friend, uh, a friend where you have made many memories Um, interacting with Jesus while you learn about him. So if you don't have your own Bible, please get your own. Now, a lot of people will ask me, well, Luke, what version do I get? Because I know there's 100 versions out there. Well, I would recommend that you get the English Standard Version, okay? Uh, There are hundreds of versions, and I know there's some people out there who's like the King James only, Luke. That's the one God uses. And I just say, agree to disagree. I, I think that if we're gonna read the word of God, it's gotta be in a language that we can understand. Um, and I think the English Standard Version is the best translation out there at the moment. I was talking to Pastor Josh this week, and he thinks that it's the best translation word for word that's out there. So that's, that's, that's high praise coming from Pastor Josh, let me just say <laughs> that. But uh, I would actually, uh, I actually like to personally read from different versions, just to kind of get different perspectives and how things are worded. Uh, but if you're going to own one, I would encourage you to get the ESV. At l- least get your own Bible, okay? That's the most important. I remember as a kid, we would sit at the breakfast table and dad would read to us uh, almost every morning, um, unless he had an early flight, but uh, he would read to us from the living Bible. And as a kid, I could understand that language and I I really, really appreciate it and I I look at those times fondly. All right, so go ahead and open in your, your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Remember our little trick? General Electric Bible, no, General Electric Power Company, not Bible Company, Power Company, We are the company in that, so Colossians. And we're gonna be studying verses three through eight today, and to begin with, we're gonna read the passage out loud all together, okay? You guys up for that? All right, it'll be on the screen behind me. Um, And so just let's all do it together. You ready? Here we go. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Amen. All right, well, we are still kind of in the introduction of the letter. Paul is writing down still kind of some opening words, mainly because Paul does not know these people. He's never met these people, and he's taking some time to let them know that even though he doesn't know them personally personally he still is invested in their lives spiritually, okay? In other words, even though he's never met them, he cares about them so deeply that he's actually praying for them all the time. The Colossae church is actually on the prayer list of the Apostle Paul. Isn't that kind of cool? Paul is praying regularly for a group of people he's never met. Now, I don't know about you, but I love that about the family of God. When you're part of the family of God... Family members that you have never met before will show concern for you. They will show love to you by praying for you. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. For instance, I remember in 1985, as you guys most know, my dad was kidnapped by communist guerrillas in Colombia. And he was held hostage for like five days in the the Colombian jungle. And he escaped on the fifth night. Well, when he was kidnapped and the three three other missionaries were kidnapped, that news spread throughout the United States. It was on radio stations, it was on TV stations during the news, and uh, churches just all heard about it. It kind of spread through the whole Christian network. Well, when we came back in 1986, uh, Dad was scheduled to speak at church church after church after church after church to tell the story of what God did. And we would literally be at a church Sunday morning, we'd be at another church Sunday night, and then we'd be at another church on Wednesday night. And we just traveled across throughout the nation. And when we would show up to these churches, people would continually come up to my dad and they would say, Paul, I want you to know something. We prayed for you. These were people that dad had never met. And they told him, we prayed for you. And this is old people, young people, even little kids would come up to him and say, Mr. we I prayed for you. And it would always make Dad tear up and, and, you know, kind of cry when he'd hear that because it just meant so much that people loved him enough that they were doing that. My own wife, she was around 9 or 10 years old at the time when it happened. She lived in Florida, and when she heard about what happened to this guy named Paul Dye, she prayed for him as a little girl. She'd never met him before, but she prayed for him. And she found out later that this Paul Dye had this GQ hot studly son, (laughs) and she ended up marrying him. So prayer works. It is powerful. <laughs> now, just the other day in the parking lot, it was on New Year's Eve, we had that online service and I was here with a group of people, we were watching it online here, and uh, I went out after the service was over, getting ready to leave, and a pickup pulled up and they were getting ready to come to, they thought there was going to be an in-person service. And they pulled up and this was their very first time to Whitestone. So I'm like, welcome ah, Welcome to Whitestone. And uh, so I went up to the window, and I'm like, hey, guys, and introduced myself to him. And the woman goes, she goes, oh, you're Luke Dye? Your wife's name is Shauna, right? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, I pray for your wife, Shauna, all the time. Never met this woman before in my life, and yet she's praying for my wife. Why is that? Why do we pray for people we don't know? Because that's the family of God because we're part of this, this Christian family. We have a connection with each other, we have a bond, and it's very real. Like for instance, have any of you ever met someone for the very first time, like in a public setting, you're at a, on an airplane or a bus, or you're sitting at an airport or whatever, and you're talking to someone, you're introducing yourself and talking to them, and inside you kind of have this feeling like, I know that person is a follower of Jesus, I know that person's a Christian. And so you, you kind of venture out and say, Hey. Do you, are you a follower of Jesus by any chance? And they're like, yes, I knew you were too. And it's like this, this crazy thing that you can feel inside. That's the bond we have. It's weird, but it's true. So to pray for a brother or sister that we don't know is completely understandable because we have that bond. And guys, praying for someone is one of the most loving things that you could do for someone. And so when we pray for them, we're loving them. And love is one of the main things that people can see from the outside looking in that makes them see Jesus in us. Jesus said these words, he says, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And prayer is a wonderful expression of love. And Paul here is showing his deep love for the Colossae church by telling them that he prays for them all the time. And I'm sure that meant the world to them. Now, when Paul would pray for the Colossae church, It says that he was always thanking God for them. And why would he be thanking God for a group of people that he's never met? Well, it tells us. It says, We always thank God when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So why was Paul thankful for the Colossae church? He was thankful for their faith in Christ Jesus, their love for all the saints, and the hope laid up for them in heaven. Now, do you see that triad of faith, hope, and love? Paul talks about that triad a lot in his epistles. Faith, hope, and love. And here he's doing it again. And guys, these were not just words to Paul. They were a way of life. Now, Paul here is thanking God for their faith in Christ and their love for each other. Now pay attention to this, this is powerful. Think about this for a second. Here we are presented with basically the the essence of the Christian life. The reason why Paul is so delighted and so thankful that the Colossians, are, are, are what they're doing in their life is that they're showing two great qualities in their lives, faith in Christ and love for their fellow man. And this is crucial because guys, in any disciple's life, there are two things that must manifest themselves. We must believe in Jesus and we must love one another. In fact, I would say that loving one another flows out of a belief in Jesus. The action that verifies our faith in Christ is love for each other. You can say that you believe in Jesus, but if you choose not to love, you clearly don't believe in Jesus. In fact, the book of 1 John calls you a bald-faced liar if you say you do. First John 4 says, if anyone says, I love God, and then hates his brother, he's a liar. For he, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Faith in Christ and love towards each other are the twin pillars of the Christian life. And the book of 1 John deals with this a lot. Let me read you some other verses. In chapter 3 it says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers. Now let me ask you this question. Want you look at that verse. Tell me, how can we be confident that we've passed out of death into life if we what? Love. Whoever does not love does not abide or whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Those are sobering words. If you hate your brother, you're technically a murderer. And no murderer has eternal life abiding in them. Now, once again, what is eternal life? I feel like I bring this up almost every sermon. What is eternal life? Is it going to heaven when we die? No, it's knowing God. And what is knowing? An interactive relationship with God. Exactly. So if you hate someone, you don't know God. You don't have eternal life. You do not have an interactive relationship with God. Now, that should be obvious, but it's kind of crazy how it really isn't all that obvious to so many people. I've met several people who would tell me, they say, oh, yeah, Luke, I totally love God. Yeah, me and God are like this. I love God. But, man, I hate Christians. I do. I can't stand those people. That's why I don't even go to church. I don't mingle with Christians. I can't stand Christians. They're nothing but a bunch of hypocritical, goody-two-shoes, Bible-thumping morons, in my opinion. And they just, they really despise Christians. And then they always throw that little phrase. You ever hear people say that? It's like, and I I just, I don't like organized religion. Can't stand organized religion. I'm like, well, dude, you need to come to Whitestone because we're so disorganized. You might, you might like it. I don't know. But you know, in saying these things, all they're telling you is that they don't love others. Now, anyone who says stuff like that, they've been hurt. They've been hurt by some church or some Christian who said or did something that offended him, and I get it. But we have to be careful saying words like that because you can't say that you love God and hate your brother. Those two statements are mutually exclusive. They don't work together. Like it says in 1 John again, it says, anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. Obviously you don't know God, because God is love. So I want to caution you, if you live a life where you can't love someone, you can't love your fellow man, you can't love your neighbor, you can't love your coworker, worker you, you can't even love maybe your own family member, maybe you've never come to know God. I would challenge you to visit that possibility because anyone who knows God will love others and they will grow and grow and grow in that love. They'll get better and better at loving. And why? Well, very simple, because God is love. You ever found when you hang out with somebody a lot, you start to become like that person? You start to pick up the sayings that they say, you start to do the things they do? Well, guess what? When you have an interactive relationship with God and you hang out with God, you're gonna start to look and act like God. And what would you look like if you hang out with God? You're gonna look like love, because God is love. Jesus knows that when we know God, we have this interactive relationship with him. It so changes us that we suddenly have the capacity to love even our enemies. Now, anyone can love those who love them back. I mean, think about it. Even the mafia does that. Bad people do that. But to love your enemies, that only comes from having a relationship with God. When we have an interactive relationship with God, we have the ability to love our enemies. We have the capacity to bless those who curse us. We have the capacity to pray for those who mistreat us. That's how powerful of a change he makes in our life. If love isn't the fabric of your life, maybe you don't know God. And I know that's a challenging thing to consider, but we must consider it. Now, why do I mention all this talk about love? Because apparently the Colossian church was doing amazing at this. They believed in Jesus and they were loving one another in honest, life-changing ways that showed the world around them that Jesus had truly changed their life. So much so that Paul, who lived a long ways away, had even heard about it. And he was rejoicing over it. And, and I love to hear that about the Colossae church. And one thing that I love too is I can say that about you guys i am to be honest here, that's something I so appreciate about the Whitestone family is you guys are a group of loving people. Do we have room to grow? Of course we do. But I just want to say I've never been part of a group of people who love each other in such real and honest ways. And we can hurt each other from time to time, but we continue to love each other. So thank you for being like that. Let's keep growing in that. May Whitestone be known for our belief in Jesus and our love for one another. Amen? Here's the deal, guys. The truth is, we're all a bunch of messed up people. You guys are like, he just gave us a compliment, and now he's like <laughs> ripping on us. What's going on here? No, but I'm serious. We're a group of messed up people. We have weird idiosyncrasies. We have irritating habits. We all make mistakes. We can get on each other's nerves. We can offend each other from time to time. We just, we, we just will. I mean, honestly, in fact, I want you guys to turn and look at the person next to you, behind you. Go ahead. Look right now. Turn and look. All right? You're looking at a bunch of screwed up, messed up, difficult people who make all sorts of stupid mistakes on a daily basis. Now look at the stage. You're looking at a man who continues to fail and sin and make stupid decisions in his life. This room is full of people like that. Welcome to Whitestone. Disorganized religion. No. But guys, listen to this. I want you to hear this. Here's the beauty of it all. We can still love each other, warts and all. We can still love each other. We don't require perfection to love each other. We can love each other even though we might fail each other. Look at this verse in 1 Peter. I love this verse. It says, above all. How important is this? Above everything. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And we can only love each other deeply if we believe in Jesus. He's going to be the source of that love because God is love. Amen? Well, the Colossian church was apparently doing a wonderful job at that. And it makes Paul so happy to hear that. And Paul would thank God for that every time he'd pray for them. He thanked God for their belief in Jesus, their love for each other, and for the hope that they had laid up for them in heaven. And guys, here's the deal. Just like the Colossian church, we also have a hope laid up for us in heaven. One day, one day, we're gonna be living with God and God's gonna be living with us. And we're all gonna be living together and loving each other perfectly. We will dwell in perfect love. We have that hope, amen? But until then, what do we do? We love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, we love each other warts and all, and we show this world a piece of what heaven would look like by doing it. Alright, let's keep going. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now, The reason the Colossian church is doing so well and growing in love and faith is because of the gospel. Okay. They had heard the gospel and the gospel is doing this mighty work in them. Now let's first just talk about that word gospel. I'm sure everybody knows what the word gospel is, but I want to make sure everybody knows what that word gospel is. Simply put, it means good news. Okay, And what is that good news? What is the gospel? Well, it's the gospel that Paul is preaching. It's the gospel that he preached in the hall of Tyranus Ter- that I talked about last week. It's the gospel that he preached in Galatia. It's the gospel that he preached in Lystra on the island of Crete and wherever he went. It was the gospel that Peter was preaching in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. It's the gospel that Philip was preaching in Samaria and to the Ethiopian eunuch and to all of Africa. It was the gospel that Jesus gave to all of his apostles, and he told them to spread it to the rest of the world. And they were doing it. And the people who were hearing it were then spreading it. It was good news. And remember, the gospel is not just believe that Jesus died on a cross so you can go to heaven when you die. It's not just pray some prayer and you have your fire insurance. No, the gospel is so much richer and fuller than that. The gospel or the good news of Jesus that was spreading across the world was that the kingdom of God is available to everyone when? Right now. We don't have to die to wait for it. It can happen right now. We can participate in it by believing in Jesus, not just believe in something he did. Not just believing that he died, no, believing in everything about Jesus, his life, his teachings, his his actions, and yes, of course, his death and resurrection. Now, when we believe in the entirety of Jesus, here's what happens. We experience eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall have what? Eternal life. In other words, we get to know God. We get to have an interactive relationship with God right now. We don't wait for heaven for this to happen. It happens right now. And that interactive relationship with God will transform us into men and women who then take on the image of God. We start to look and act like God. It saves us. It saves us from sin. It saves us from the kingdom of darkness. And we experience a life of salvation and let me tell you why some, that is good news, amen? It's amazing news. And this gospel was spreading across all the world. It was growing, it was spreading, it was bearing fruit everywhere. And Paul was rejoicing that it was happening right there in the Colossae church. Now, there are some things I want you to understand about this gospel, things that were as true today as they were back then. And the first thing is this, that this gospel is the good news of God. Okay, this isn't man-made. This wasn't concocted by some guy on a mountain who's on an LSD trip. Okay, this wasn't found on some gold tablets that someone found in a farmer's field. No, this gospel's from God himself. Jesus, the son of God, came to this earth and he began spreading spreading it. Why? Because God first loved us. God so loved the world, he sent his son. This gospel is the good news of God, okay? I want you to know that. Secondly, this gospel's truth. It isn't a guess about God. It's not just some thoughts or ponderings about God. It's truth. Jesus came to show us what the Father was like and to provide for us a way to have this interactive relationship with him. It's truth. And guys, you need to know something. Truth is not some ideology. Guess what? Truth is a person. It's Jesus. Jesus said, "I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life." Jesus embodied truth, and the gospel is truth. I also want you to see this. This gospel, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. I mentioned this before, but it's an important point to hit again. It's not confined to just one race or nation. It wasn't just for the Jews. It's for the gentiles too it's for the whole world every race every nation it's not just for the rich and the wealthy and the the famous no it's for the poor and the unhealthy and the not so famous it's for everyone have you ever noticed how very few things in this world are open to everyone you ever notice that like for instance depending on how smart you are will depend on what classes you get to take in college they make you take a test. You take this ACT test or SAT test. And depending on what number you get, depends on what classes you can take. Like you may take the test and you're like, I want to be a scientist or a brain surgeon. And they're like, dude, you scored a 19 on the ACT test. Sorry, dude, you can take the throwing frisbee class. You can't take <laughs> these classes. It's not open to everyone. Depending on what social class you're from will decide what circles you'll be allowed to move in. I'll tell you this, I will never be in the Hollywood c- class circles. You'll never see me there. I don't fit in that. I'm not allowed to just walk around in that. In fact, I'd say few of us are. Depending on how good looking you are will depend on who will date you. <laughs> you guys, remember that? When we walked through high school, we'd be like, oh, she's out of my league. She's out of my class. Oh, way above me. Oh, that one, maybe, maybe she would. <laughs> and every once in a while, a girl will make a fatal mistake. And she drops down a couple classes, and we get married. That's what my <laughs> wife did, thank goodness. <laughs> but de- depending on how much material wealth you, you have will depend on how many toys and possessions you can have. Like, you can walk into a, a car dealership and say, man, I love this BMW. I want to buy it. And they say, you don't have enough money for that. Sorry, you're excluded. You know, I love Kirk's voice. I wish I could sing like Kirk. I will never be able to sing like Kirk. I don't have that gift or talent, it's excluded from me. But, but the message of the gospel is open to who? Everyone. Now who does that leave out, Whitestone? No one. And I love that about God. He makes himself available to everyone, everyone. Now the next thing I want you to see is this gospel is alive. Now, this gospel for Paul wasn't just some theological sort of thing. It was a living, breathing sort of thing. He often would refer to it as if it were alive. Even right here in this passage, he's addressing it that way. He's saying that this gospel is bearing fruit. It's getting larger. It's getting stronger. It's spreading across the world. And this gospel is bearing fruit in you, the Colossae church, too. This gospel's alive. And Paul loves talking about this gospel. He's not ashamed of this gospel. He's not embarrassed of it. I mean, this is his bread and butter. In fact, in a verse in Romans, it says this, Paul's writing this, he goes, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel's alive, it's powerful, and it's the gospel that is the very power of God that brings salvation to all mankind. The gospel, the good news, sets us free from the bondage of sin and the kingdom of darkness. It brings salvation as we saw earlier. And Paul is is saying to the Colossian church, it's growing, it's bearing fruit, it's spreading across the known world, and it's doing a mighty work in your very own lives too. And it's been working in you since the very first day you heard it. Guess what, Whitestone? The same is true of you. This gospel has not weakened over the years, it has not lost its power. It's not lost its significance, it's not lost its importance, it's not lost its ability to bring salvation, and it's doing a work in you too. Since the very first day you heard the gospel, the gospel has been working on you, doing its work in you. You know, even if you're sitting here today not believing in the gospel of the kingdom of God, it's still working on you. You may be an atheist sitting here today and you may be thinking to yourself, oh, trust me, Luke, the gospel doesn't affect me. Oh, yes, it does. Listen to me, even if you're an atheist and you don't believe in the gospel of Jesus, it's still working on you. You know that Satanist, people who were so against God and their life so evil that you couldn't even begin to imagine the things they've done, the gospel has gotten a hold of their lives and transformed them Into men and women of God who look like Jesus. That's what the gospel does. Atheists who don't believe in any spiritual world or deity at all have been transformed by the gospel. And why? Because the gospel is alive. It's the power of God unto salvation. And you know what? Those of you who do believe, it's still changing you. It's bearing fruit in you. It's getting stronger. It's growing in your life. And that's the beauty and power of the gospel. It's just as much alive today as it was back then. All right, lastly, I want to say this, and let me read you this verse once again in Colossians. You learned it, in other words, the gospel, from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he's made known to us your love in the spirit. Now, take a look at that verse, third service, and tell me who shared the gospel to the people in Colossae. Epaphras, exactly. He spread it to them. And that's the last thing I wanna say about the gospel. The gospel is meant to be humanly transmitted. In other words, we're to be the spreaders. We're to be the ones who spread it to the world around us in our circles of influence. God didn't leave the job to angels. He's not gonna write it in the sky. No, it's meant to be humanly transmitted. There must be a human channel through which the gospel can come to the people of this world. And guess what, guys? That's where we come in. Our possession of the good news of the gospel means we have the obligation to share it. Jesus Christ needs us to be the hands and feet and lips through which he will bring his gospel to those who've never heard it. Look at the verses in Romans, Romans 10. Paul says this, he goes, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? I'll. Are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear about someone without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, in Scripture it says, he will be saved. Anyone who calls in the name of Jesus will be saved. Scripture tells us that. Well, Paul's making a point in Romans, a very logical point. He's saying, well, how in the world can they call on Jesus if they haven't believed in Jesus? And how in the world can someone believe in Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? And how in the world can someone hear about Jesus unless someone was sent to preach to them about Jesus? Guys, here's the deal. We are called to be sent out into the world to preach Jesus, the good news of Jesus. We are. And look at that last verse. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's kind of a weird verse. Because let me tell you something, feet are some nasty looking things on the body. (laughs) Some of us have some really terrible looking feet, big bunions and nasty calluses and Some people have black toes and cracked skin that bleed and you get athlete's feet and it smells like cheese and it's just, it's nasty. (laughs) Feet can sometimes be really ugly parts of the body. Well, guess what? Not to God. Whoever spreads the gospel of Jesus, God thinks your feet are beautiful. Isn't that cool? That's even without a pedicure. Anyone who preaches the good news by their actions and their words your feet are considered beautiful. Guys, let's be a church full of people who have beautiful feet, amen? Let's preach the gospel in every circle of our kingdom. How can your co- coworker call on the name of Jesus if he hasn't believed in Jesus? And how's he ever gonna believe in Jesus if you haven't told him about Jesus? You have to see that you are being placed in that very spot to be the one who preaches the good news. So do it. Get a spiritual pedicure. Spread the gospel. (laughs) Let's be men and women like Epaphras and share the gospel with everyone we can. Amen? All right. We're going to wrap up here for today, and we will pick up with verse 9 next week. But as I mentioned last week, every week I'm going to end the sermon by playing some soft music And I'm going to just read the verses that we've covered so far. And I may read it in a different version than the one we've covered in the sermon. I may paraphrase it some so that it flows. And we're just going to sit quietly with Jesus and meditate on the words. Okay? We're going to give the Holy Spirit space to talk to us and say whatever he wants to. And we're going to listen. So I just want you, you can try to even close your eyes and just practice the presence of Jesus. And just focus on words that the Spirit's going to bring to mind and say, hey, I want you to listen to this. Okay? Okay? We can start playing the music. Just just sit quietly with Jesus for a few moments. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Christ at Colossae and to all the faithful brothers and sisters grace and peace to you from God our Father we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you Why? Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We've heard of the love you have for all of God's people. We've heard of the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in you in heaven. And this faith, this hope, this love It came from hearing the true message. It came from the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, this gospel is bearing fruit, and it's growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the first day you heard it. Since the first day, you truly understood God's grace. And you learn this good news from Epiphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ. He has told us all about your love that comes from the Spirit. thank you for your word thank you for your gospel gospel that is alive it's true it's life changing transformation God thank you that it's doing it's work among us I pray that it would transform us into men and women who take on your image God we become men and women who love as we believe in Jesus. God, I pray that the world around us would look and see Jesus in us. And as we go out into our circles, may we spread Jesus to a world who desperately needs to hear it. May we be your hands and feet and your mouthpiece. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Let it be so. Love you guys very, very much. If any of you would like to be prayed for, please come up to the corners and these people would love to do that with you. Otherwise, have an amazing week and we'll see you next Sunday.